Booster is excited to support DIA Schools Collaborative on furthering the missions of our respective organizations through Follow to Lead podcast and other DIA programming. Visit ChooseBooster.com for details on Booster's school fundraising events, technology, and customized spirit gear. Booster can help your Catholic school meet and exceed its fundraising goals. Learn more today. Welcome to Follow to Lead, where we discover how to listen for and follow God's call so that we might lead others to God. Our shared stories of inspiration from religious leaders and those active in the educational ministry of the church can help you know better how God is calling you and the role passionate Catholic education plays in spreading His message of faith, hope, and love. Now please welcome the hosts of Follow to Lead, Father Randy Sly and Kyle Pietrantonio. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Christ the teacher, teach us to listen. Teach us to do the deep listening to the sounds of our soul, waiting to hear your voice calling us to cast out deeper, to become fishers of men and women, shepherds of souls, to follow your will in order to lead others to the truth, beauty, and goodness only you can offer, amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to Follow to Lead, a journey twice a month into the world of Catholic education, exploring what it means to follow God in order to lead others to Him. I'm Father Randy Sly, your host, and today we are going to be talking with Marcy Stockman. And Marcy is the author of the book, The Well-Read Mom, as well as founder and president of the International Movement and book club by the same name, The Well-Read Mom. Now, with a passion for reading and motherhood, she writes and speaks to encourage women in a world of rising isolation, loneliness, and mental health issues. And through the power of reading together and reading well, well-read moms across the country are finding friendships, meaning, and true leisure. Now, Marcy has a Bachelor of Nursing from University of Nebraska Kearney, and a master's in psychology from the Adler Institute in Chicago. As a clinical nurse specialist in mental health, Marcy founded the Family Consulting Services at Cuyuna, is it Cuyuna Regional Medical Center, and co-founded Frameworks, a working workshop series for teachers, nurses, and a broader community on healthy well lifestyle strategies and mindset habits. Now, she's been a homeschool mom for 25 years, and co-founded a classical co-op high school for students, bringing families together to support each other in a vision for excellence in education and seeking truth, beauty, and goodness through a Western classical tradition. Now, she and her husband, Peter, have seven children and 11 grandchildren and reside in Crosby, Minnesota. Marcy, welcome to the program. Thank you, Father Randy. It's great to be here. Well, you know, one of the things we like to do on our broadcast before we go into the program that we're really going to do in terms of talking about well-read mom and all of that is we'd like to have our guests share a little bit about their background, their upbringing, et cetera. So could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Oh, well, I'm currently at home. First time I'm an empty nester in 36 years, but I have grandchildren that live five houses down. So that's fun. I thought I'd, I'd not be homeschooling anywhere, but I'm helping with a couple of my grandchildren. So that's a joy. Oh, that's great. Where were you, where were you raised? Oh, I was raised in Grand Island, Nebraska. 
Okay. So not, you're just as far, a little farther South than, than Minnesota at this point. And you're from a big family, little family or? Yes. I'm from a family of seven children. And I, my husband and I left the Catholic church when we were about in our early thirties. And then we found our way back or God helped us open our eyes to find our way back. So grateful to return to the church 20 some years ago. And yeah, it was actually through reading was a big part of it. So. Uh huh. Oh, that is that is that's fascinating. Now, I know that well-read mom is the thing we are going to talk about mostly today, but you helped to found family consulting services at your regional medical center. What what kind of prompted that? Did you see some needs in the community that weren't being addressed? Well, I, I went into nursing. And what I realized is I probably should have gone into counseling because that's that's what I wanted. I, I cared about, you know, heart to heart kind of conversation. And it I was a better fit as a counselor than as an RN in the hospital. So I, I, I found a niche there. And it's still going today, correct? Yes, it's still going today. I I was I stepped out of that when my our fifth child was born. It was just getting to it, I needed to be home full time and I was able to work really part time before that. But I'm I'm grateful for that experience, but also have been grateful to be at home as well. Oh, that's neat. Now, <clears throat> I love the, the concept of the well-read mom. And it was years ago, I remember I, I heard this speaker talking about the time that she volunteered to care for her twin sister's baby for a couple of days. Now, she was a, a single career person at the time. And she said that after her experience of just having her the baby with her for two days, she couldn't figure out how in the world a mother had any time or energy to grow spiritually. <laughs> she was just totally wiped out by it all. Now, so the well-read mom story sounds very intriguing. Can you tell us how your book and the movement all began? Sure. It 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 wasn't planned. It was it sort of just happened or I think the Lord kind of sparked the the idea through what was happening in life. I have been passionate about reading for years is personally and then with my children, just being educated myself in what is good children's literature, what would help my children grow in moral imagination that that helps them develop into young adults. And so I, I educated myself as best I could on good children's literature. And I was giving a couple talks up north in northern Minnesota, where I live, to mothers of preschoolers and on children's books. And, and then they said, can you come back and do another round in these three, three different parishes and speak on whatever you want to speak on? And I thought, uh, I'm going to see what women are reading. Let's, let's encourage women to read. And I just t- titled those the series of talks, Well Read Mom. It just came to me. And I spoke to these in these three different places. And each time I would drive home sad in the car. And I thought, why am I sad? I was speaking to these women about the importance of reading, why reading matters, why we need to keep reading from print. I had done the research. I gave a good talk. But I realized that women weren't reading. Number one reason, I don't have time. And then I realized I was in the same boat. I had been a reader, but as life got busier and family life, it had fallen by the wayside as far as... Not one woman was reading quality literature 
or spiritual classics for her own, for its own sake. So here I was giving this talk, kind of heaping a little burden on these women, like, here, let me point out to you one more thing you're failing at, you know, as a mother, you should be reading and you're not. <laughs> so I felt bad about that, because I thought this talk I'm giving isn't helping anyone actually take a step, mm -hmm. in, including myself. So at, at that same time, my daughter, Beth, was a new mom in St. Paul, Minnesota, and she called me one day. And gosh, I'll never forget the phone call because as she spoke with me, I could hear this loneliness in her voice, this, the loneliness of a new mom in, mm -hmm. in, in your apartment, you know, with this baby. And she said, mom, I've been to this mother's group three times now, and I'm not going to go back. All, we're, all they're talking about is their kids, what kind of diaper to buy. And she goes, it's not, there's nothing wrong with it. But she said, mom, isn't there a place after college where women get together and talk about the real questions of life? And I just heard in her voice, this cry for friendship and this cry for connection. And I thought, wow, I, she's experiencing what I experienced as a new mom, that intense mm -hmm. loneliness. And so at that time, I thought, well, why don't we, I want to read more and read well, and you want meaningful conversations reading, let's read books together, you get your friends together in St. Paul, I'll get some of my friends together. I'll put together a five year book list, Beth, and let's read really good and worthy books together and some spiritual classics. Let's do this together. It'll be good for mother daughter relationships and, mm -hmm. and let's try it. And she agreed. And, and so her desire and my desire merged and pretty much just like that, we had a title, Well-Read Mom, and we started. And then <clears throat> I had a friend, well, it just grew. What people heard about it and they said, could I start mm -hmm. a group? And I was recording these little audios. So I emailed them to the people. There were three groups then, one in St. Cloud, Minnesota and the St. Paul and then and, and after that, we had a little conference to talk about one of the books we were reading. I had a friend who could speak on it. She spoke to us. And after that, 21 more groups started. And it's been growing ever since. So apparently, the cry in Beth's heart was, is actually a cry. A lot of us have mm -hmm. a cry for meaningful connection. And I think reading literature is a great way to, it's a catalyst that sparks, mm -hmm. sparks that kind of conversation. It's interesting that in this world of social media, where we seem to be so much more connected, there can still be that, that sense of loneliness, because so much of what's shared is so superficial, like what I'm having for dinner, and things like that. Well, also, we're texting. And, mm -hmm. you know, the of the words that we text, there's, there's a small number of words that are texted. So our vocabulary goes down. Yes. There's no way texting is the same as a conversation with a friend. Mm -hmm. And what we want to do in Well-Read Mom is get women together physically, you know, in your church group, in your neighborhood, whoever you can meet with. You don't have to meet in person, but we encourage that. There mm -hmm. are groups that or online, or some people follow on their own, but we encourage women when possible to, to form a group because mm -hmm. 
for, for the loneliness that we're experiencing in our country, you know, face-to-face conversation is, is humanizing. It's, mm-hmm. it's a healthy thing. We learn to read facial expressions and we learn to empathize with one another when we're present with one another. You know, on your website, I, as I was looking over what well-read moms mean and what, what's happening across the country, the, the three fr- things that you mentioned there is finding friendships, meaning and true leisure. And usually when we think about leisure, we think about like sitting on the back porch, the glass of tea and not a care in the world. My sense is that leisure means more to you than just that. Well, I used to equate leisure with entertainment. So, mm-hmm. you know, it'd be like watching TV. This is my time. I don't want anyone to bother me <laughs> or I don't know, meeting with girlfriends. It's not like any of those things are wrong. But when I was reading Pope John Paul's letter to women, he said that women would play a part in helping to solve the serious problems of the future. And of course, I agreed with that. Mm-hmm. I think women are incredibly valued to help solve these, these problems in our culture, in the world. And then he listed the problems that women, these serious problems that women would help solve. And this is what threw me. Because the number one problem Pope John Paul listed that women would play a part in helping to solve was something I didn't even see as a problem. And and it was leisure time. And I thought, what is he talking about? Surely either Pope John Paul is confused or I'm confused. So I thought, "I'm, I'm pretty sure it's me that's confused. What is leisure and why does he list this as the number one? one serious problem that women will help solve. The second problem he listed was quality of life. Mm -hmm. So leisure time and quality of life. So, so I thought Pope John Paul understood that women, I felt commissioned by Pope John Paul and I'm Polish and I always loved Pope John Paul. And, and so I felt this almost commissioned to encourage women to take leisure seriously Mm-hmm. And, and then my son, Nick, came home from college and he brought his textbooks and he tossed one. He set them, plopped them all down on the counter. And he said, here's one you should read, mom. And he tossed it to me. And it was Leisure, the Basis of Culture by Josef Pieper, the German. I've read it. Yes. And yeah. I thought, wow, there's that word leisure. Maybe this is what Pope John Paul was talking about. And Pieper calls it the basis of culture. Mm-hmm. So that's when my wheels started turning. What is it about leisure that is so important to, for culture? Mm-hmm. And, and uh, that's, that's where that came from. That's interesting because in a sense, education is also supposed to be a subset of leisure that we are to use our time to educate, to bring our minds to a certain point as a part of what we call leisure. As you said, I think nowadays, most of us think of leisure as I'm just going to numb my brain, which was never the intent of what leisure was all about. So that's exciting. I'm I'm glad to hear that this is kind of an intentionality in the well-read mom movement. Uh, There's another phrase that intrigued me, intentional interruption that you talk about reading as an intentional interruption. What, what's going on there in, in your encouragement? 
Right. Well, the number one reason women give for not, not reading is I don't have time. Mm-hmm. So we need to become aware of the value of this for our life so that because there's never it's not like it's going to fall into your lap one day that you suddenly have an hour a day to read to to lie down in a chair you know and or a hammock and all of a sudden here 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 it is for you just read 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 you know that's not going to happen so we have to be intentional about these good things in life we have to be intentional about living a greater fullness of life intentional about growing in our person in our humanity because if we don't if we're not intentional i tell a story in in the book i was i had six kids at the time and in minnesota it's freezing in the winter and i was i had to get my daughter to ballet she was 12 and so i'm putting the toddlers in car in their snow suits and can't find the boots and can't find the library books and all of this it's a big ordeal to get everyone into the big van. And, and I didn't want her to be late for her ballet lesson. So I'm hurry up, hurry up, get everybody in car seats. I'm ready to go driving down the road and finally get Beth to ballet with five minutes to spare. And I was so proud of myself, pull up there. And I said, okay, honey, we'll see you later. I'll pick you up in an hour. And I said, Beth, everyone was in the car, but Beth. So I, I had left my daughter behind. So I was doing all the right things as a mom, all the tasks that I needed to do. And, and yet I had left my daughter behind. And I, it, to, tra- to translate that in a different way, mothers can do all the right things. They can help their kids brush their teeth and get to Sunday school and get to mass and do all the right things with their children. And yet, leave their own person behind in the process Mm -hmm. and we become sort of a shell in a sense like utilitarian and efficient and task oriented Mm -hmm. and yet our inner person can be left behind so part of what wild red bomb is is really encouraging personal growth and and realizing that when we grow this way it it impacts our motherhood it impacts Mm -hmm. the way we are with our children with our husband with our family, with our community. Mm-hmm. As a psychologist once said to me, we have in our culture, in our society, the opportunity to become human doings instead of human beings. And that kind of was in the back of my mind as you were sharing that you can do the mom stuff as a person, be left behind in the process. Yes, exactly. I had a, I had a mother last week she said to me, she said, could I, could I talk to you about Walred Mom? I said, oh, sure. You know, I was, I was at, I was in another town visiting and she said, this is my first year. I have three children, three small children. And she said, I didn't think I had time for this. And I was intimidated because we, we read some good classic books. And she said, but I, tr- I thought I'd try it this year. And I said, well, what have you found? And she said, I found that I used to watch a lot of shows at night and now I'm reading a chapter or two of my book. And she said, what surprised me is my life is more peaceful. Mm -hmm. It's for sure more peaceful. I didn't realize I'd have more peace. And she said also 
my little two-year-old is bringing me my book in the morning to my bedroom. And then she crawls up with her picture books. She says, here's your book, mommy. And, and they're, they stay in, in bed for a little bit together, you know, looking at, so yeah. Dana is creating an environment, a different kind of culture than a screen culture. Right. Her kids <laughs> like to, see, these, these, our children love to see us reading books. They understand, they're not against us taking care of our, our heart. Sometimes when we're on a screen, they see that as against them. Like, what mm -hmm. are you doing on there? Or you're distracting yourself because you don't really want to be here, mom, you know? But when we are reading a book, I think they see, mom, mom, it's good for mom to do this. And so it's about creating a culture and environment in the home that is conducive to sort of human flourishing. And what books are normally being read in your groups? Well, right now we're reading one of the greatest novels ever written by a woman. I don't know if you've heard of Singret Unset. Mm. Have you heard of her? We're reading Robin's data right now. We're, we're taking two months for this one. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a wonderful story of a woman's life from when she's seven years old all the way to her death. And it's a story of her sanctification, really, how mm -hmm. she grows closer to God through all the tumultuous years and the problems in her marriage. And it's, mm -hmm. it, we're, we, we're swept back to 1400s in Norway. So it, we're in medieval times and it's, it's fascinating, but that's the one we're in right now. But we read some contemporary, some, a, a play, we read short stories. We, we have poetry at the start of the year and, and then some great books and then some spiritual classics for Advent and for Lent. Now, does everybody, are they all on the same schedule universally to reading the same book? We decided that that was important uh, mm -hmm. to stay together. Like it's something happening now. So when women join in, just, they just start where we're at. And I think, I think there's wisdom there. There's also been problems with that. So, mm -hmm. but that's okay. Sometimes the books aren't available. So now we have to make sure there's enough in print and that's, that's a good right. problem. It's, it's also important to stay together because mm -hmm. I think there's greater potential for cultural impact when we stay together. Women might have a friend in another state or whatever, and they're able to, to share and have a conversation about a, a particular book. Like there's a core base of reading, a core knowledge base. I was at the airport a couple of years ago, and I saw this woman was reading Hannah Coulter by Wendell Berry. And that was our well-read mom book for the month. So I thought, wow, here's a woman reading. So I, I kind of went over by her and, and she's reading her book. And I kind of stand there and I said, you know, I'm reading that book too. And she's, she kind of nodded yes. And I said, are you reading that book for your book club? And she nodded yes. And, and then I said, does your book club have a name? And she said, it's called Well-Read Mom. She said, have you ever heard of it? And I started laughing. I said, have I heard of it? It's taking over my life. No, just kidding. But it was, we began to talk about just about the importance of place and, and what was going on in the story. And we had this amazing conversation in the airport mm -hmm. because we shared something that, that we could dialogue about. So when we can have something in common to dialogue about, I was amazed 
at that by that experience and I, I understood more deeply how women across the country reading and discussing literature the same book staying together mm-hmm. can create a dialogue for cultural renewal I love that concept in terms of everybody being in the same place, because if you had one group reading one book and another group reading another book, really, there is no cohesiveness or, or a unified movement toward mission for all of the groups. So this is, this is fascinating. It must be a little bit harder to coordinate, but worth it in the long run. Mm-hmm. Right. I think, yeah, it, it's, it's interesting because the Lord has provided the people we need. You know, every time I think, Lord, the boat is sinking, it's it's because I forget he's in the boat with us. And so it's been an amazing faith building experience for me to watch, you know, to watch this unfold. And it's a privilege to be part of it. Me as a as a priest, it reminds me of the fact that we pray universally across the world the same liturgy of the hours every day. And while it might at one moment have a psalm that doesn't quite fit where I am in my life, it fits us universally as a church in somebody's life somewhere that's praying it with me. And it's, I think that same sense of uh, universality, it really is kind of a Catholic way of doing things. So I'm, I'm very intrigued by that. And if there are moms that are watching or listening that would love to be a part of a well-read mom's community, what do they need to do? Well, we, we are happy to help and just go to the website, well-read mom, and you can email us or ask a question or sign up to be a member. And then we'll, we'll walk with you through that process. Right now we have a special it's if you, if you join for the end of this year, you get this year and next year. So it's kind of a good time to join. And mm-hmm. we really want to help women have success with this. It, it's, you don't have to be a mom. You can, we have groups who are young adults and not married groups of women. We have women without children. We have widows. We have empty ne- groups who are women who are empty nesters. You don't have to be a biological mother. It's for all women. It's just in the name since that's how it began. And then there's only one rule, and that is if you don't get the book read, don't apologize, because sometimes in life, things come up, and your vocation is you need to do what you need to do. So there might be years when you really can't read, but for the most part, if you can make a commitment to read, and I, I had a woman come for, to my group for two years, and she was not able to complete a book. In two, after two years, she completed her first book on time, but she would read a couple chapters and read a couple chapters of the next book and read a couple chapters. And success looks different for everyone because she was not failing. She was becoming a reader. That's what was happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And a lot of women, we want to raise the bar with, with the quality, the kind of, of, of books we're reading because they're, they're, they're the kind of books that bring out these questions and increase mm-hmm. our desire for, for goodness, be- beauty, truth. But we also don't want to crush anybody. And sometimes if you've been online a lot or on your phone a lot and haven't, I've, I've talked to women, uh, one woman said she hadn't put, picked up a book in eight years, hadn't even held mm-hmm. a book 
in eight years. So to switch to print is difficult. It's hard to pay attention because reading online, which is here to stay, digital reading is here to stay, but we need to maintain our ability to read from print. We need to maintain our uh, an ability or grow in an ability to read from print because there it accesses a different area of the brain than yes. when we read online. And, and if we want to be able to read and grow from St. Augustine, we need to be able to read from print. So... Absolutely. There's something tactile about even turning pages, but you can flip back and forth and do things with a book that you can't do with an iPad or something like that. It's, it's a much more personal experience, I think, in so many ways. Now, I would assume that there are some places where a woman will go online and discover, oh my goodness, there's a group right near me. And they were not even aware that somebody felt like something like that had established at other places. There might be a woman who says, you know, I'd like to establish a group. Both of those are probably different access points that they, that they can enter through. That's right. You can, we have a map on our website, so you can see if there's a group in your area, not all the groups are open, but if there isn't a group, we make it really easy to start a group. Mm -hmm. So in order to run a group, you don't have to know a lot about literature. You just have to be willing to help coordinate it. And we give you the resources. And we, our goal is really to help women succeed in reading more, reading well. And we want to do everything we can to help, help that, facilitate that. I was looking through your resources and how to start a group. And it's really well done. I mean, you have all the little things to do and here's what you don't do and here's how you can start a group and it's it's so well done that i think anybody that has a desire to gather another group around them they can pretty much do it almost you know with just what's available online that's right or you can follow on your own if it's not the right time or you know an online group but if you can find a few women or put it in your bulletin or, you know, your own, your own friend group, people do it all different ways. There's not really a right way or a wrong way. One group, the biggest group I think we had was 45 women in a parish. Wow. And then they, they'd go in their own little groups at tables. And then the smallest ones are like three, three to five. I think mm -hmm. eight is a nice number. Yeah. yeah. You don't feel singled out and you can be quiet and still listen and not feel like you have to participate in that size. That's for sure. Okay, I have to ask you this question. Has anyone ever thought of starting a well-read dad oh. movement? Yes, I'm sure they have. So many people ask me that question, like, why don't you start well-read dad? And I'm thinking, I'm That's, to... yeah, there has to be a dad to do that, right? Yes, I think I'm, I think I'm supposed to continue on here with well-read mom. Yeah. So anyway, but you know, what's interesting to me, I, I, I gave a talk at our, our conference. We have a, a conference, a national conference now. And my, my talk was about women as builders of, as culture builders. Mm -hmm. And what's so interesting is that when women read more, everybody reads more. It's like the women sort of set the stage for like so many women's husbands read the books we read. My son called me he'll call me and he'll say mom what's the next forward mom book and i'm like are you reading these and he said yeah i i do everyone he listens to him while, while he's biking so you know the the ripple effect of women reading it goes out to your friends it goes out to your 
spouses, it, it goes out to most importantly, it's, it impacts your children. Because if you look at studies that, that show how to raise a reader, the number one way to re- raise a reader is to read out loud to your children. That's right. the number one way, but very close behind it. It's, it's just right almost the same level is, is being a reader yourself. Mm-hmm. Just books in your home, kids seeing you enjoy reading books. You know, you, sometimes reading is equated with school in a painful way, but when, when kids see their mom or their dad reading for pleasure, they start to get interested. What's in these square pages that's so interesting? It seems to me that one of the things that happens is that the mom establishes a home culture that is, again, it's not screen-based. Uh, it's not entertainment-based in the sense of, you know, we've always got the TV on watching the latest sitcom. And there's nothing wrong with any of those things. They have a place in the home. But perhaps this additional ingredient uh, changes how uh, children will think that home life is supposed to be lived out. I think you're, you're right. It's We're helping when we read, when we create that culture where reading is a part of it, we're, we're modeling at least that type of leisure, that type of, that work of leisure, but it's pleasurable to read a good book. Yeah. You grow in your perspective. You don't have such a narrow perspective. You get to see the world through other eyes, eyes other Mm -hmm. than your own. I think C.S. Lewis says. I want to just shift a little bit in our discussion right now. As you probably are aware, a majority of our audience are administrators and educators in Catholic schools. And one of the things that intrigued me from your background was your workshop series frameworks, which basically is something that addresses leaders, that addresses people in healthcare work and in others. Can you tell us a little bit about what frameworks is all about? Oh boy, this was so long ago that I did frame, frameworks. I did it, I did it in the, the region up here mm-hmm. for nurses, for continuing education for nurses and teachers. And it was that idea again of caring for the caregiver or self-care, mm-hmm. setting up, being intentional. It's being intentional with your life to, to take care of your heart. So it was, it's, it's kind of the same work that I'm doing in Red Mom, really yeah. a little bit different, but. Oh, that's, yeah. I, I think again, that it's, it's about the whole issue of mental wellness is sometimes about putting the right things into our minds. I remember when I was in the military and I was in top secret communications and we talked about Geigo, garbage in, garbage out. And I think much of our life is, is kind of based on that as you're, you know, as you are pointing out in Well-Read Mom, it's putting good things into our minds and it can't help but change the output. That's exactly it. Let's focus. You know, you can spend your time focusing on all the problems in the world, or you can work to use your time to grow and to develop and to really learn to love more because that's what this is really all about and learn about the human condition. Great books help us understand we need a savior. Mm -hmm. We see the the brokenness. And so, like you said, garbage in garbage out, but when we, when we give ourselves the best, it, it, 
it impacts us. And I think there's it's something positive to do. It's a step mm-hmm. in the right direction. What have you seen in your groups over the last 24 months? The pandemic has just hit all of us so hard. What are you picking up from the moms that you're working with over these last several months? And what do you see going on in families as a result of the pandemic from, from your work with families? I think the, we, we struggle with isolation in, in America anyway. We're, we're, we're a culture that struggles with that. When I, was a, when I was a new mom, so that was 35 years ago, I had, Pete and I did some mission work in Guatemala. And when I was watching out the window, I could see these women walking to the corn grinder to grind their maize into flour. And they were walking together and they would uh, weave out in their courtyard and they would weave their, whatever they were working on together. And one day I looked out the window and these women were walking with baskets of laundry on their head and babies on their backs and toddlers at their heels. And they were walking to the, to the lake to do their laundry. But again, it was together. And I followed the women and I'm watching them scrubbing their laundry on rocks and kids playing in the water. And I stood at a distance and I was jealous, actually. Not, I mean, obviously, I'm grateful I'm not doing my laundry on, rock, on a rock. But I realized that in America, we have a different kind of poverty. And it's a poverty of loneliness. It's a poverty of, it's hard to know how to live a communal life and share life. And these women did it so well. They shared life. And... I recognized I didn't have that in my life at the time. And it's something we have to keep working at. And then the pandemic and lockdown, it made the isolation so much more intense. And you realize uh, connecting online is, it's it's a tool. It can be helpful. People did their well-read mom groups on Zoom, mm-hmm. but we really like to meet together. It's sure. Just, it's just different. Like Father Randy, for you and I right now, this is working. This is an mm-hmm. effective, a wonderful tool, this technology. But when you get a group of women together and you're discussing a book, you know, you're reading each other's facial expressions and you're, it's just different than a bunch of boxes on Zoom, right? And we laugh and sometimes we cry and sometimes the conversation just meanders and it's, it's humanizing. Yeah. So what was the question? I forgot. We were just talking about, yeah, moving out of the pandemic and and into a place of wholeness. I, I, I really agree so much with you about this, this issue of loneliness. And I think it affects every part of our culture, especially in America, where we all live in individual homes. I was even thinking back in the days when people lived in apartment buildings that there's more of a camaraderie that exists there. You, you do your laundry together sometimes in the laundry room. You're hanging out on the front stoop together. Where in our homes, we, again, we sit on the back porch and there are no front porches anymore where you can look back and forth mm-hmm. down the row and see the kids playing together and all of that. It's just a, a different world. And I think anytime we can intentionally bring people together is, is, is a wonderful gift especially when it's around a wholesome topic or things as you were talking about those books that they're reading. That's just fascinating. 
Right. We have to be intentional to find ways to, to share life. Mm-hmm. And so this, this is a good way because every month you get to see your friends and you don't have to play phone tag to set it up. You just set up the dates. We set up our dates for the whole year and I know I'm going to see my friends and that's, I love that. So it's a once a month commitment. Mm-hmm. And for how long, how long do they usually meet? We we follow, we follow September through June. So we pretty much follow the school calendar with easier reads when it's busier in a woman's life. So uh-huh. the, holiday, the holiday months, we're not tackling a big work, you know, a bigger work, maybe in the winter. And then we have a couple months for a bigger work, May and June. And, and the meetings just last an hour and 15 minutes. And we really, we really encourage women to stick to this schedule. You play the audio that is introducing, launches us into the discussion of the book. And then at the end, you follow, we send out, we send out these companions. So every member gets a beautiful companion. It's like a hundred, I think this year it's 180 pages, but it describes all the books with questions and space for you to write your comments and and then there's also a magazine you get in the summer, but but the companion is a wonderful tool to guide you along. And so you bring your companion to the meeting, and then you the leader on her phone or laptop plays the audio that launches you right into discussion. You don't have to know a lot of critiquing literature. It's not our method. Our method is really reading the story and looking at our life. And so we're reading literature, looking at our life. You don't have to be some literary expert. I'm an amateur reader, but I know I'm helped to live a more beautiful life when I read. So, so yeah, again, I forgot what you asked me. No, I'm, I'm just even thinking about teachers that, that could do this after school before they go home, they could do it during a lunch hour, perhaps, or before school in the morning that would, again, build camaraderie and around something that other than, you know, complaining about some of their students or lamenting oh. about the, the workload or, you know, grading papers or whatever it happens to be. But again, oh. it, it, it's back to that idea of leisure, of doing something that, that stimulates the whole person in such a good way. Oh, I agree. Like we, we've had, like if teachers did this, they wouldn't have to read every book. They could pick some together and, and discuss it. And what's amazing to me, it, it's amazing to myself, is that I, I need this accountability with these women, my friends. I don't want to let my friends down, so I get the reading done. And for the most part, I, I read more than I ever thought I could. And it's because I need this kind of accountability with my friends. I'll let myself down. If I was just doing this by myself, I wouldn't do it. Because that's the way I am. But I really, I really, when I'm accountable to other people, to my friends, I want to, I don't want to let them down. So for me, that works. It's a win-win, you know, I get to be with my friends and I, I read more. And you, it, it also causes you to make choices during your day of how you're going to invest your time, whether that intentional interruption would be, you know, a television program, whether it will be, you know, being on your phone, being on a social media, or am I going to pick up my book and read my book? So there's a sense in which you're really building some structure and maybe some issues of control into your life that, that many of us need on a daily basis where 
we're constantly being forced by the tyranny of the urgent to keep going in a certain direction. Yeah, you're absolutely right. There was a woman in my group, we were reading Les Miserables, which is one of the longest novels ever written by Victor Hugo. And this woman in my group ran into another woman at the grocery store. And she said, how are you doing on your, how are you doing on your reading? You know, our, our, our mom group, we meet in 10 days. And the lady said, you know, there's no way I'm going to make it. I have, I have 400 pages left and it's a busy 10 days coming up and there's no way I'm going to, she said, there's no way I'm going to get it done. And, and the lady said, well, you know, remember there's only one rule. If you don't get it read, don't apologize. So you don't have to get it read. Maybe this is a book you just don't, don't, don't read, don't finish. And, and then that woman, she went home from the grocery store and she was kind of sad. And she was thinking, well, if I don't read, finish this book now, when am I ever going to read it? And I know it's 10 days away and I know I have 400 pages, but that's 40 pages a day. And she went home and she took the kitchen timer off her fridge and she set it for, she set it for 20 minutes and she went, took her book and went and sat on the back steps and started reading and nobody bothered her, which was like a miracle right there. She finished reading 20 minutes and then the next day she read 20 and then later in the, you know, a couple more times she kept finding these 20 minutes here and there. And one hour before her group, she finished Les Miserables with this great sense of satisfaction. And it was quite an accomplishment to read that book. And she loved it. And I know this is true because that was me. So I was the one who just didn't think I could do it. But, but I, I thought, what do I want? Do I want to read Les Miserables? And I thought, yeah, I really do. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad I did. One of the best books I've ever read. It's interesting because that does give you an opportunity. Again, these books are filled with stories of conversion, redemption, all things that we need to hear about and to put into our lives in a powerful way. So for those moms and other ladies that want to be involved, what is your website? Where can they go? Yeah, just go to Well-Read Mom and there's there's ways to join and be a member, or you can get my book. That really that really will give you a feel for things as well. Mm-hmm. And, and so either, either way, or give us, give, shoot us an email and let us know how we can help. Oh, that's great. Do you have anything in the future that's upcoming or is this just that that's kind of exciting you'd like to share? Well, our, our next conference will be in October, October 14th and 15th. And it's a two day evening and, and then all day Saturday. And that's going to be exciting. And we're going to launch, uh, we have, well, it's the conference is, is an experience of leisure because we have, you don't have to be in Walred Bond, you don't have to be, but, but it's an experience of leisure. It's a, we have great, beautiful music. We have, we'll have some poetry. We'll have, you know, it's a, it's a day that just is for filling up, uh, blessing women. So it's been beautiful to offer something. It's been satisfying to offer something beautiful for women. Yeah. Where's that going to be held? That's going to be held at in, in Bloomington, Minnesota, which is really close to the airport in the Twin Cities. So Wonderful. Oh, that sounds exciting. So we need to have everybody look at Well-Read Mom on the website or to go and get the book. Either way, they'll have an opportunity to be kind of well introduced to this great movement. And the movement's international. There, there are people all over the world doing this. 
Well, mostly it's Americans who are mm-hmm. living overseas. Although my book was reprinted in Italian. So that was a surprise to me, but so there are some groups in Italy. Oh, that's great. I could see this being good for military wives that are overseas to get together and have something that they can work on. Wonderful. Well, again, Marcy, we are so glad that you could be with us today for, for this edition of follow to lead and just would love to have you come back sometime and kind of give us an update on what's going on there. So thank you so much. Well, thank you, Father Randy. Thanks for the work you're doing. And for our audience, if you haven't done it already, please subscribe to our podcast and be sure to leave some comments encouraging us toward future programming. We'd also like to thank our intern, Alex Shire, for assisting in this podcast that we can get this out to you on a regular basis. So may Almighty God bless you. We'd like to thank you for joining us on this episode of Follow to Lead, a production of the Duke and Altum Schools Collaborative. To learn more about finding your own path in your journey of faith, or for more information on what we discussed in today's episode, you are invited to follow us on social media and visit us on the web at diaschools.org. To provide a one-time donation or monthly pledge, please visit our website. Your gift will aid us in providing up-to-date information, additional resources, and other support on how to take Catholic education to a higher level. We look forward to helping you follow God's call to lead others to God right here on Follow to Lead.